What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes, and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Kira and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for episode 151 as we chat with branding and event strategist Patsy Kenny about celebrating something every day, what it's like to start an agency with your best friends, how to know if you should have your own event, and what it takes to make an event successful. Welcome, Patsy. Hey, Patsy. Hey, thank you both so much for having me. I'm really excited about this conversation. Yes, we are excited. And we met, I was trying to trace it back, but we met via Nikki Groom, who is also on our show. And we met at the Good Life Project, which we is such did. a nice meet you. It was a lovely space. And I, I just adore that community because it is full of amazing people like yourself um, who are looking to really, you know, get the most out of this human experience that we're part of. All right. So Patsy, let's kick this off with your story. I know you've gone through a lot of changes in your business and your life. Uh, Let's just start with how you ended up becoming a brand and event strategist. Awesome. Yeah. So my path has not been a linear one by any means. Um, When I first graduated from high school, I grew up in a small town in Maine, and I knew I wanted to leave the state, at least for those four years of college. And I found myself in Rhode Island. Um, When I first started that college pathway, I really didn't know like what I wanted to focus on. And I didn't really have a great sense of self. I knew that I I loved learning about people, and I was a decent writer. (laughs) And so those two things as my filter, I eventually found myself... um, pursuing a public relations degree. And um, quickly after graduation, found myself in a corporate setting in like a marketing department for a very well-known brand, but in an industry and space that wasn't exactly what I would call interesting to me. Um, While it was a great foundational place for me to land in terms of learning about how a business works and what it's like to be out in like the sort of corporate world. It was wonderful. And the people I met during that time period were very integral in how I sort of shaped my path forward beyond that. But very quickly into that first six months of um, quote unquote adult (laughs) corporate life, I thought, gosh, there has to be more to life than this. And I ended up going back to school to pursue something more creative. So I was studying graphics, multimedia, and web design um, in a small college here in Rhode Island, working full-time, going to school at night. And that's where it really the time and place that I fell into like branding and brand development and the art of that and finding the deeper meaning behind the messaging and how you can utilize visuals to tell a story as well as copywriting to connect, you know, as quickly and deeply with your clients or future, you know, prospective customers as possible. And that really lit me up. So I found myself over the like last decade or so prior to starting my own business, kind of bouncing from, um, I would say these were intentional leaps, but bouncing from corporate job to nonprofit setting to different industries and sort of getting this broad scope of how I could utilize all of this knowledge in a new way to serve different markets. And along the way, um, event like uh, creation came into that. Um, 
And so when it finally came time for me to step out onto my own, I launched this blog and I wanted to form a business around this idea of celebration and events and sort of that marketing background all started to come into play. And um, my first anchor client kind of came into my path by happenstance and said to me, while I still had a corporate job at the time, um, you know, I am a business coach. I'm looking to serve... um, other coaches and consultants and help them build their businesses. And I'm planning this live event. And it sounds to me like you have all the ingredients to support me with that from like the conception and, you know, visuals and experience side to marketing. And how do I actually attract people into this experience? And so she sort of saw something in me before I even saw it in me and, and led me into my first opportunity. And I was able to build a successful business um, in that realm over the last few years. Can we talk a little bit about that uh, in depth? You know, what are all those pieces that come together to make a good event planner? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Or event strategist, I guess, is the better word. You know, I think it's really above anything else, knowing what your purpose is for an experience, right? So a lot of times when I'm first introduced to folks, they're looking for someone to support them with logistics, right? Um, They're like, oh my gosh, planning an event. They know enough to know that planning an event is a heck of a lot of work and it's a full-time job in and of itself a lot of times, depending on the scale of what you're looking to create. Um, But we get kind of, I think by nature, get caught up in the details of where's it going to be? How are people going to get there? What's going to look like? feel like all that kind of stuff. But really my approach is to like, to hosting an event for your business is to take a step back and say, okay, from this greater point of view, how could this experience help you uh, propel your business forward in a way you want to go? So how do you want to grow? Like five years from now, what do you want to be doing inside of your business? Let's take that knowledge, that sort of future look ahead and see what we can do intentionally and strategically now in creating this experience to help you lay the foundation for where you want to go. Um, So why are we gathering people together? How is the event going to help people? Um, What transformation do you want them to have inside of that container of that experience? And one of my favorite questions to ask is how do you want your guests to feel? So how are they feeling before they come into this space? And then what are they saying when they leave the space? Like, who are they calling? It's whether that's their best friend or their partner, or business colleague or spouse on the way home. What are they saying about this experience when they leave? Because really when it comes down to marketing and you both know this so well in terms of copywriting, but it's like, how do we evoke a feeling which ignites a memory inside of someone so that you're creating this word of mouth sort of ecosystem for your brand and your business and people leave the experience talking about you in a way that you want to be talked about. And it's like, I think through those one-to-one-to-one connections that that's how the ripple effect grows around your brand, around your business, around you know, how you're showing up in the world and how you can continue to help people be on your own network. Can you give us an overview of your process when you're working with a client? Maybe we can pull some of your ideas and use them as our own um, so that you can do that so that people do walk away with a certain feeling and your client achieves the big goal. Um, What's your process like to make sure that happens? I have sort of four P's that I work from. Um, And the first being purpose, right? So what is your purpose, your mission, your greater sort of purpose in the world? And what are you trying to say with your brand or your business? Um, And then we kind of hone in on that specifically for an event, because it can be quite, you know, daunting to try to jam your entire message into 
say it's like a three hour experience, right? Um, it really kind of depends on context too. So the first phase of any work I do is always around getting clear on what's the context here. What are our goals? Um, what's the purpose for gathering? And then the second P is people. Like who is this specifically for? So without those two elements, you can't really craft an experience without knowing both of those and being really clear on those. And sometimes people come in with sort of broad strokes of what they they'd like to do. Um, and then through a series of questions, we get even more clear on what that will look like and what that will feel like and what kind of transformation they'll be able to provide within the container of the event. And then we talk about profit. So what kind of financial goals do you have, if any, around this event? Because um, a lot of times the folks that I've been working with are a variety, some sort of they're they're typically a service-based entrepreneur. So they have a message. Maybe they're an author. Maybe they're a coach. Maybe they are a um, consultant of some kind. But they have a greater message to share. And they are teachers kind of at heart, I would say. So they have content they'd like to share with their audience. Um, and they they have a path that they'd like to take them on beyond, like their audience on beyond the container of the event. So we look at the structure and the model that's available to them based on what their goals are. So if they have um, a dream to, say, fill a group level coaching program or a mastermind um, through the engagement of an event, then we look at how do we price out the actual event and this experience to match those goals. And that can look different depending on whether this is sort of a cultivation event where you're starting to just utilize the event for brand exposure, or if you are looking to meet a monetary goal within your business as a result of the event, if that makes sense. Um, and then very last on the list is the planning phase. So once we're clear on all those things up front, up the purpose, the people and the profit, then you can start to kind of back into, okay, this is what we need to do first. This is the timeline. Here's how we would pull actual like tangible things to make uh, an event space come to life and evoke those feelings. So when I think about some of the events that I've been to, and maybe even the two events that we've produced, you know, the first week or so, you remember some of the speakers, or maybe even most of the speakers. But after about, say, three or four months, you know, as I look back, I remember more like a feeling or the excitement that I was there, but not really the specifics. How do the four P's all come together to leave an attendee with like that feeling that you want them to have. And so that, you know, if somebody's looking back at say our event, the copywriter club in real life, they want to come back, even if they can't remember the specifics. Well, that is an awesome question. I love that so much because that in all of that sort of the investigation up front around your purpose and your people and your, your profit, the feelings piece is what sort of pulled out of my process. And so we actually come up with like a mission statement for the event. Um, and in that mission statement is very clearly outlined, like these are the feelings you want your guests to have. So when it comes to the planning side, like the implementing and executing upon this vision, we continue to, to go back to those feeling words to say, okay, make the decisions on whether or not to spend, say, um, I feel like it's always kind of like a balancing act, right? We have this sort of rough budget, this sort of number we're working with when it's in terms of producing the event. But when it comes to, say, choosing the food menu, for example, right? If having people feel very well taken care of and well nourished and um, 
calm and relaxed uh, and fueled is like part of the feeling and the intention behind the event, then oftentimes a client will say, okay, I'm willing to spend a little bit more on this seat, like tiny part of the experience to kind of elevate that feeling in the overall event. So those are sort of like, it's like a, it's like a filtering system for every other decision that's made. Um, but if, if say it was more like the goal was like to really activate and inspire and, and not to say that those are, can't be done in the same space, but if it was more of like an education, rally people up, get people excited about a thing to take action on a, um, something within their business within that container of the event, maybe the food part isn't that important. Maybe it's more on, you know, um, the type of music you're, you're, I mean, all of these elements make a difference, right? But it's like the filtering system is going to help you make the decision in terms of where to spend the money uh, to execute upon or to evoke the feeling. Yeah, I'm thinking we had a ton of sugar at our event. So I'm thinking like the feeling was like, <laughs> let's just make everyone pass out and like not everyone was sugar. Um, <laughs> and the sugar can work for a little bit, but yeah, the crash does have an Um So <clears throat> can you share a couple more examples? Because I love this idea of creating the feeling. Um, some examples from your work and some of your clients, like what that feeling was and then what you did to create that. Sure, sure. Um, okay, so I will draw from a more recent experience, and actually, you may know you may know this this client, but Greg Faxon is a business coach. Um, he is part of the Camp GLP community as well, and um, how we met. But he um, created an experience last fall for a more intimate group, and the goal was to help them feel like. Um, rock stars inside of their business. Okay. So the theme of the business or the theme of the event was called Frostier Roster and it was educating, um, business coaches and consultants around, um, how to keep their and nurture their client roster. Um, and so his, his intention there was to help people like step into a new level of what it feels like to run a business, you know, maybe at this, like, so they're, they're sort of graduating beyond getting their business up and off the ground. And now it's like stepping into the new level of ownership around their business and learning to outsource some things and, but really creating an extraordinary client experience. So what he was kind of teaching was what was emulated inside of the event. So when they first came to the door, you know, they were greeted with a warm welcome. They were given, um, a little packet that showed them a little snapshot of the city and where they were, you know, um, where to go for lunch and that kind of thing. And then um, inside of it was just like a very simple uh, RX bar. And that, even though that seems like a really silly thing as a, as a giveaway, it was actually super intentional because that represented Greg and his brand. Like his, he's very clean, no fuss, cares about, like the ingredients and the intentionality around what he does and what he creates and also how he lives his life. And um, some of the feedback we got just in the first day was like, I had, I have not allowed myself to like step into feeling like an A-lister until I walked through that door and I was invited to do that. Um, the other thing that he thought about and that we sort of helped him think about and then executed upon was an element of surprise and delight. This was a smaller, more intimate gathering. So he was able to 
say to folks ahead of time, please keep, you know, the first evening open. We have something special planned. And he brought the entire group out to dinner at his favorite restaurant and then did a tour of Washington, D.C. at night. Um, and we stopped at some of the, the spots to, you know, sightsee and that kind of thing. And people felt like extremely well cared for and also even more connected to each other because they were outside of this sort of classroom-like setting. They were seeing a new city. It was Oh, an invitation to into his world a little bit and some of the things that he really loves. And I think all of this to say, you know, I really believe that events are one of the most effective ways to deepen your client connections or potential client, you know, connections with your potential clients. Um, and when we show up fully and authentically as we are, and we share a deeper part of ourselves, um, people really start to see us as the incredible individual humans that we are, and then keep keep us sort of in their the forefront of their mind the next time they go to need a resource or you know spread the word about Greg or talk about that experience. Um, it says a lot about him as a person and as a brand. I think those are really cool examples. As Kira and I have talked about our event, our big event, one of the things that I think we try to foster a lot of is. Uh, connection between people who are at the event and trying to create, you know, friendships, but also just opportunities for people to get to know each other because they're in the larger community. You know, they listen to the podcast or they're in our Facebook group, but seeing people in person is a totally different thing. And so maybe I'm asking for some free consulting here, but what are some ways to foster connection in events so that people really do have those opportunities? They're not just showing up and sitting in a chair and being all alone. They're really connecting with the community that's there. Totally. Well, what I love to do, and this is like part of the fun of the curation part in the experience um, when we're talking about purpose and people is like getting really creative around, um, what does that like threshold look like when they're coming through the door? How are they being greeted? And even um, tell me a little bit more context around your big event. Is it a one day thing or is it over a long weekend? Like, what does that look like for you guys? I'm just curious. And I'll, I'll share some thoughts I have around it. So yeah, our big event is two days for everybody. We do a day before for just our think tank members, but two full days. Um, there's about 150 to 170 people in the room, at least this last year. Uh, that's that's where we were. Um, but some of the things that we like to do, and this was a brilliant idea that Kira uh, had, is the first night we actually uh, create dinner groups and pair people, you know, with each other. So that somewhere around six to eight people go out to dinner together. Uh, oftentimes one of the speakers leads the group. Uh, and, you know, so they're getting to know one of the speakers or somebody that's participating in the event. Um, but yeah, at, so two days, it's maybe wall to wall information. So there's a lot going on during the day, but uh, I think we'd like to actually create more opportunities for people to connect next year when we get together. Ah, I love that. So I feel like there's so much opportunity, right? Depending on the timing that you have available to you and what you're creating. But things like ideas like, um, you know, even when you greet people at the door, whether that's a pre-night event sort of like warm up, right? Or gathering before the event kicks off. I always think that's really helpful. I love the dinner group idea because then that even becomes more intimate experience where people are getting to know each other on a deeper level in groups of eight versus, you know, 25 or whatever that may be. Um, questions like 
these sort of engaging, I think of it, I mean, as a as sort of an elevated icebreakers sort of activity, right? When you think about camp or something when you were younger, where you'd have a series of, of icebreakers that kind of help you like get more comfortable with each other, you can get really clever and creative based on what, again, what is your brand messaging? Like, where do you want people to walk away with? And how can you create some sort of mini, or like, I call them like micro experience, micro brand experience to even further drive home your message, but connect people at the same time. So like, um, I'm just trying to think of it. This is what's coming to me. And this is not exactly corporate or like business related, but I loved came across this idea several years ago where it was like a friend of mine was hosting a wedding and she said, I re- it's really important to me that both sides of the family and like these cousins and friends that we have that have heard about each other know each other before they get on the dance floor. And I was like, well, what about, so if you know the group intimately, what are some of the through lines that like people have in common? So whether that's like they're from the same state or they've worked with the same niche, like in this case, right, for your audience, if they've worked on um, certain projects that align or industries that make sense, or maybe it's like everybody who's ever written a book or everybody who's right, like put them together on it, like at the, at the dress rehearsal dinner, put them in the table and tell them why they're here. Like what brings them together? Right. So then the conversation starts to spark and there's this already like, um, foundation of, uh, that, Oh, what do I talk? I think as humans, we're always kind of like, um, in a new situation, what do I talk about first? If you can provide people with an opportunity to kind of break that ice, uh, they're not called icebreakers. <laughs> they're called icebreakers for a reason. Um, then it really helps to like ignite a deeper connection up front. How have you seen the event space transform over the last few years as far as like what's working today, what maybe isn't working today? And even, I mean, if you want to go into more of the marketing cycle around even sales, like when, when do you typically get the most sales? Um, mm. We can talk about that too. Yeah, that's a good topic. So I would say that what I've noticed is that especially those who have like been in the online space for a while, they were like sort of on the precipice when, um, when uh, this you economy started, right? They were sort of the, the frontier folks or business owners that were building their businesses strictly online and built their audiences online. What I find now is that so many of them are, as you've done, um, utilizing in-person events to deepen those connections with the audience that they already have online. So we can have connections and we, we all know how valuable technology is, um, and how this like virtual conversation is possible with anyone anywhere in the world. And it's amazing. But I think I know that there's something physiological that happens when we step into a room with each other and we sort of, we're out from behind the screens and we're connecting on a human to human level. We can feel each other's body language. We can read deeper into sort of our tone of voice and our experience and how we're holding each other and get to a more meaningful conversation more quickly. And what I've noticed is that as, as the online market space continues to grow and become almost overwhelming with what content is available to us at our fingertips, um, it becomes harder right? To kind of like, quote unquote, set ourselves apart. Because I think 
so many of us as we're starting to build an online presence or business are watching what all of the folks ahead of us have done. And we're sort of creating or following similar processes, right? And I know you've, I'm sure, all run into like, um, this model now becomes like, I can teach you the steps in which I took to create my successful business, right? But I think the the challenge and sort of um, interesting part of that is we are all our own unique individuals. We have our own set of strengths and values um, that when we are fully aligned with that, our own inner compass and the way in which we show up in the world, that's actually the differentiator, right? Like I think authenticity has become this like buzzword, but we can feel the difference between um, someone who's showing up authentically and someone who may be just following a process and trying to make something work that isn't quite their style. And so that's where like the branding piece is really important too, to be clear on who you are and what your message is and who you're serving specifically. Um, and then when it comes to marketing an event, what I find it, that is always most helpful um, in, in, if you don't have a, a really active online presence um, and you're utilizing an event at any stage, those personal connections you have like in real life are the ones that are always going to help you activate and share the message more broadly. So it's like have, building, I think Seth Godin talks about a thousand true fans. Um, it's like thinking about who you have already in your corner, right where you are to help you spread the word about your message, your event, your experience. And then if you think about that, right, say if you're just focused on 10 of your your own biggest fans, um, supporters of what you've already created, maybe their past clients, that kind of thing, um, they have a network. They Each of those individuals have a network. And so we tend to gravitate toward people who um, – Ha- share similar values. And that's where that sort of ripple effect in terms of spreading the message and the word about your event um, helps. And in terms of, <laughs> in terms of like, I could, I could talk to you about stats around like the sales process and when people actually buy. Um, it's always, I don't know if you've had this in your own experience of planning your event, but it tends to be more at like when the urgency is there, people make the purchase. So it's, closer to the deadline of when you need to close those doors on the ticket sales than not usually. Um, I think that happens for a couple of reasons. One is we have to see something like nine times before we make a decision, right? And if we know we have a time frame to work on, we don't always act immediately. So I often talk about like, um, let's be intentional around like the urgency of those doors closing so that you, you kind of have a better idea up front. Um, of what those numbers will be going forward. I also find that like a personal approach is super effective. So I am a big fan of utilizing uh, systems like Vidyard where you can create a personal invite through email to people. Um, If you can get on the phone or in front of people in person, if you can utilize um, uh, maybe a smaller workshop to promote a larger event you're doing. Again, anytime you have that opportunity to be in person or at least close to in person with someone, I think it's extremely effective. Yeah, I think we would agree. So I think at this point, a lot of people who may be listening are thinking, well, I'm a copywriter. Uh, I don't 
you know, I don't have an event or, uh, you know, I'm not really working with events. So maybe a, a good question to ask would be, when should people start considering doing events? You know, if I'm a copywriter and I don't really have a, a big following, is there an event that I should be thinking about putting together that would help me grow my business? Or should I just maybe stick to attending events? Oh, gosh, I love that question. So I think you can be doing both, right? I think there's an amazing opportunity as a copywriter to share your knowledge and your gifts. Um, and again, it depends on what your goals are as a copywriter. Like, is your immediate need um, to fill your client roster? If that's the case, you could host a, you know, a smaller, you know, maybe a few hour kind of workshop, more intimate gathering where you're teaching uh, your audience about copywriting, right? Um, or you could look out at other events that are interesting to you where your audience already will likely be attending, right? Like knowing who that audience is, is really important. So you could put yourself purposely in um, the environments where your audience already is and make those in-person connections and talk about what you do. Um, there's also the op- such an opportunity nowadays to be a, you know, a speaker or a panelist or um, a contributor to an event um, because I, I'm seeing just like the event space grow year after year after year, right? Um, larger conferences are happening and popping up everywhere and niche conferences are popping up everywhere too. So depending on, again, who it is you serve um, and where you want your business to grow, kind of think about what would be beneficial places to attend or contribute in terms of events. And then as far as hosting your own, it doesn't have to be a massive production. You can start really small. I think the very first event I did for my own business was around my kitchen table. Um, and there were six people there. Um, and those six people are still probably my probably my top supporters in what I do now uh, today. And they've helped me like connect me with other people who utilize the service, um, our services. It's And that's what I like trying to get across around like that thousand true fans concept, I think is really poignant. Um, if you are super intentional with just a few number of people over time, your following is going to grow. Um, if people feel really well, you know, cared for and that they've received value from what you've delivered, they're going to remember you, especially in this sea of like access to a ton of different courses and content out there today. Yeah, just to echo what you said too, I feel like I've seen a lot of copywriters step into the event space and host their own events. And it isn't necessarily the big event with hundreds of people, but it could just be as simple as a retreat um, or workshops. So it does make sense for us, you know, as copywriters not to necessarily turn this off. It's It's a really smart option for, like you said, brand awareness, finding clients, building authority, um, building relationships. I would just add to the retreat aspect, right? Like, because it's such a, I feel like just in general, we are sort of operating at this like frenetic pace, right? And so we, I think are craving that like unplugged time for us to kind of reboot, to hone our craft and that kind of thing. And so I think retreats, especially for those of you who are copywriters, um, to host that or lead these more intimate gatherings is like super powerful and a, a really deep need that people have. All right. So let's flip this around. I'd love to hear about event 
mistakes or what not to do? Because you've been to a ton of events, you've worked on your own. So like, what is not working today, especially for someone who's considering their, you know, like us, who's hosting an event, and we want to make sure that we don't, you know, we do it well. So what do you feel like is not working today that maybe was working mm. a couple of years ago? Chairs. It's got to be the chairs. Well, right? our chairs. Yeah, we have a chair. <laughs> we have a chair issue that we're working through. And also a content overload and overwhelm yeah. issue, but we're, we're working on those. Uh, <laughs> that is, I would say to echo that, yeah, less is definitely more. Less is more when it comes to content and creating your agenda. Um, remember that there, you, when you have an active, captive audience, people are going to be engaged and they're going to want to share. And that's what it, like kind of enriches the experience, right? So... Um, we have a tendency to want to over deliver. So then we over provide in the content area. Sometimes I've been to a few events where I'm just like, Oh my goodness, this was the probably opposite effect of what the event, you know, team was after in that I got super overwhelmed, right? I wanted to almost like shut down instead of like raise my hand and be part of it. Um, and then it to that, in that same lane, when it comes to coordination and like when it gets to a larger scale, sometimes I think people who are planning these experience thinks think more people equals greater experience, better experience. And that's not always the case. I think some of the most enriching experiences um, I've been a part of or attended are those that have um, an intimate feel. Now, that doesn't mean that it has to be an intimate number necessarily, but the ones that um, sort of touch you on an individual level or have systems in place to make you feel really um, seen and heard and like you're part of the greater experience are the ones that are most effective. And I think that Jonathan and Stephanie at Camp Good Life Pro- you know, Project did an amazing job of that. Um, there was 400 plus people there, right, Kira? But the way that they structured all of that, um, there was an autonomy in the sense that you get to kind of choose your own adventure, but you had a home base that was uh, set set up to, to cultivate deeper connections within your bunk and your cabin. Um, all those sort of things were very, I'm sure, very intentional on their part. And you could, you could feel that leaving the experience. So I want to change the conversation just a little bit and ask you about your different businesses. Uh, we mentioned at the top of the show that you've made a few changes in your business. So talk to us a little bit about and celebrate and what that's all about today. And then also, you know, what it's like to uh, create an agency with your friends. Yeah. Um, so and celebrate launched as a blog back in 2014. And I always had this intention to, to build a business on my own. I just didn't know for a really long time what those services were going to look like. And so when the, when the blog launched, um, the purpose there was to inspire people to find something to celebrate every day kind of in parentheses, like I would whisper, like even in the shitty moments, right? Um, Because life is not always like sunshine and rainbows. And also in terms of like celebration, I think we're sort of wired to celebrate the bigger moments. Um, Those things that are, um, you know, societally looked at as reason to celebrate a big accomplishment, you know, uh, graduation, a wedding, uh, buying a first home, those kind of things. And the fact of the matter is we have a lot more regular days than we do those like milestone days. And so if life is meant to be lived, I really believe it's meant to be celebrated. And so I was sort of blogging around that uh, content and then it shifted 
and took form around event services and all of the things we've been talking about today. And the more recent months, I've realized that um, the message of Anne Celebrate is really bigger than event services and event services alone. So I have taken event services and put them under the branding edit umbrella. This is the agency you spoke of um, that I started with two of my best friends a couple of years ago. And what we found is that um, our strengths uh, were so complementary. We had this like chemistry when we were working together on creative projects um, that we were better together than we are apart. And so that sort of started a couple years after the the launch of the event services iteration of Anne Celebrate. So all this to say, Anne Celebrate is going back to its original roots in the coming months and will be and continue to be a platform for inspiration um, around everyday celebration. And the services side um, has expanded even more uh, than events to cover your overall brand experience. So a brand is like the... A series of touch points you have with a client, right? Um, or potential client. So what does your presence look like online? What is that story you're telling it? Where are you telling it? How does your, um, your brand, you as your brand represent um, on all of these different platforms that are available to us today? Which ones make the most sense for you? And then um, carrying that messaging and that visual identity across all those platforms, including in-person events. Um, and gatherings. What advice do you have around making a partnership work, especially with two other people? Um, you know, that's not easy. So what what should copywriters look out for when they're thinking about forming a partnership and what actually makes it work so that everyone's doing their best work and getting along? Yeah. Well, I think what works really well for us and is that we started as friends first um, and we were each other's sort of cheerleaders as we were growing our individual businesses. Um, as you both probably can relate, and I'm sure your audience can relate to as well, if you're in business for yourself, it can get really lonely. And um, the sort of the committee in our heads can sometimes take over and start to tell us things that simply aren't true, but that kind of keep us stuck or, you know, help inertia set in and having each other really helped us stay on track um, as we were building our own businesses. And then when we saw the opportunity to bring our, our collective um, strengths together in a service offering that would benefit a community we were already serving, it just made so much sense. Today, we are still super mindful of like the friends first thing, right? So um, it's a unanimous vote when we go to take on whatever it is or make a decision. Um, it, we, we are very mindful of like, hey, is this an alignment for you? And sometimes like we know each other so well, it works great because we can say, hey, are, is, are you saying, are you hesitant about this because this is out of your comfort zone and this is not the thing that you really love to do? Or are you hesitant about this because it doesn't align with like, where you see us going, you know? Um, so for us, the foundation of friends and like really knowing each other deeply has helped tremendously. I think sometimes I share, like I have this agency with two of my best friends and people's reaction is, Ooh, don't you want to be careful of that? Don't you not want to mix like, you know, friendship and business. And so far, all I can say is it's been a really powerful experience because it's been super supportive from the start. Um, and I think we've been intentional about honoring each other's voices too. That's kind of been a challenge, right? A creative challenge in terms of copywriting. Like how do we share our voice as a collective when we are 
three very unique individuals. Um, and so you may notice that on our website, we actually wrote each other's bios. Um, we, and, and so we're starting to see, uh, you know, illustrate the way we see each other to our audience as well. Um, Rob, Rob and I were yeah. best friends before we became partners too. Right, right, Rob? You and I are best, best friends. Yeah, as best friends can be <laughs> 3,000 miles away from each other and never seeing each other. <laughs> best friends who never see each other. It's great. Okay, so this is you know more of a personal question, but you said we could go there. So uh, how how do you continue to grow your business, um, You know, stay focused, serve clients, build these platforms and celebrate moments when you're dealing with real life. And, you know, I know from our exchanges uh, offline that you've dealt with a lot of personal changes and shifts. Uh, So how have you navigated through that? And what advice would you give to someone else who's dealing with like a lot of personal stuff and is still trying to grow a business? Um, What would you say to them? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say, (laughs) remember, your humanity, give yourself some grace and be really honest with people. Like I, you know, in the last year have my, my life right now doesn't look a single thing like it did a year ago. Like not a single, if you look at the life wheel and the pie or whatever, not a single piece of the pie is the same. And, and so with that has been just an, I don't know, like an emotional component, right. That you don't think about when you're like managing all of these things, but that has certainly been an undercurrent of all of the work I've done and the way I've shifted my business and all of that. And so I've been just super honest with my clients and showing up in a way that I'm not delivering all, you know, they don't, they don't necessarily need to know every single detail, but, um, I'm doing it in a way that feels really good to me, but, but is truly honoring where I'm at and the resounding level of love and support I've received on the other end has just been tremendous. And I would say that the client relationships are even deeper now as a result of showing up fully and saying, Hey, this is where I'm at. You know, um, a current client that we're working on uh, a large event for, um, actually went as far as to, you know, push their event date back a few weeks to sort of accommodate some of the personal things I had going on in my business and I, or in my life, I should say. And that blew me away. And so I think like if I were to kind of extract some of the themes that are the undertone of our conversation today, for me, it has always been about like really building relationships with people, listening and, um, and honoring where each other are at. And it's, it's the clients I've, and the relationships I've formed with my clients have been like, deeper partnerships more than, um, you know, outsourcing for a certain execution on a thing, you know, we're, we're all here having a human experience and, and change and loss and, and unexpected things happen in life. And so when we honor that, um, it's, and show up, honestly, it's amazing to see what sort of reaction you'll get. So as you've come out of this year of amazing change, what would you say as you look into to your crystal ball, the future looks like for you, for your business and maybe even for uh, events in general? It's funny. It's like I, I'm extracting. I think the key lessons I learned from all of that change right now, I'm sort of in the process of that. And what excites me about shifting the and Celebrate platform back to this inspirational place where people can come for resources and reminders to celebrate the little moments is – 
I could see that taking on a life of its own and becoming an event in and of itself down the line, right? A place for people to gather who are sort of seeking that um, uh, more deep relationship with themselves and with those in their community um, and are looking to be part of something greater. Um, That is still very like it's just a thought. It's a seedling, right? It hasn't quite formed. The, the The crystal ball isn't quite clear. Like the image inside the crystal ball isn't quite clear yet. But um, the potential for that really excites me. Um, and then right now, I, th- I would say I'm focused on having fun and saying yes to projects that are new and exciting and maybe a little off um, topic or genre from what I've done before in terms of the agency side of things. Uh, we've got a couple of really exciting new projects um, in line. And I think it may take us in a direction we haven't been yet. And that that feels really good. And if any of the copywriters listening want to work with you or just learn more about your services, where should they go? Yeah, you can find us at thebrandingedit.com on Instagram. It is um, thebrandingedit as well. And then Patsy Kenny, you can find my handle over on Instagram. Um, and I will have the links for both the branding and, and, and celebrate under my personal profile there. Um, and yeah, the and celebrate sort of platform will be relaunching on Instagram. So I would say, come say hi over there. Thanks Patsy for, for uh, sharing, for being so open about changes and also, you know, what you've been doing in your business and giving us some ideas for our event uh, coming up in March. We're, we're just we're thrilled that you were able to give us the time. Awesome. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode.